You're listening to the My Victory Podcast. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to My Victory Church. Welcome everyone that's joining us online, wherever you are around the world. Welcome to you guys. We got Pastor Brian and Heidi online. Come on. Holidaying. Yeah, come on. Give them a hand. Let's go. Come on. There we go. We got Beverly and Lance and Jennifer and George and Peggy and Jody and Kenneth. It's so good to see all of you guys, Jen and Deb. Welcome to everyone that's joining us in person in Tabor, right now in Claire's home, in Okotoks, in Lloydminster, and of course Lethbridge. Welcome to all of you. This is the rowdy 1115 crowd, right? It's supposed to be, yeah, come on. We are in part six of our series, Songs of Summer. If you're just joining us, I'll do my best to catch you up a little bit. What we're doing this summer is we are releasing songs written in this house for this house. And what we're doing, and I'm preaching about these messages. And as we wrote these songs, these songs, all nine of them were written uh, during the COVID season by, by our team. And as these songs were written and came out, I was like, there's a different level of, of depth to, to each one of these songs that I thought, this is not just songs for the team or for, for a few of us. These are songs that I felt like were going to prophetically resonate with all of us. And what I mean by prophetically is I want you in this series not just to listen with your physical ears and your, your, your mental understanding, but I want you to listen with your spiritual ears because I believe that these, these are songs that are speaking, and many of you, I've heard from many of you say that this, that song, you know, I could have written that song, or that song was written just for me, or that's exactly what I was feeling, and I didn't know how to articulate it. That's, when that happens, that's oftentimes the Holy Spirit speaking to not just you, but to all of us. And I felt like a lot of these songs had this all of us kind of a vibe about it. And today we're making a massive shift. And what I mean by shift, and again, I don't want you to just listen with your physical ears, but with your spiritual ears, is the first five songs were, were basically songs that lamented, you know, just basically pouring out our hearts of the season we have just been through, being the COVID season, the last year and a half that's kind of, it's, it's, I don't know, it's rocked all of us. Everything that was, everything that could be shaken, anybody feel this? Everything that could be shaken has been shaken any, any more shaking going on? I don't know. And we, you start to you read the news and they're going to try to shake it all up. But it's all good. But those five songs were reminding us that when we're in the cave, there's a still, a still small voice that's going to speak and we're going to be able to hear that God's drawing us closer. It's songs that's given that we can go, we know where our peace comes from, an anchor that we can lean on, that in the midst of the storms we can still have Peace. There's, there's songs that, that are you know, aspiring in grit and grace and, and soft, sweet, still. And, and these kind of things are uh, songs that are getting us through the season and be still in the season that we have just come through. Well, today we're shifting. And the last four songs is we're not just lamenting the season we've been through. These next four songs, are we're going to get our praise on. Is that okay? Yeah, four people are ready. Help me online. Come on, you guys got... I heard you shouting from home. It's great. Um, we're we're going to get our praise on, and we're not we're not just going to we're not just going to praise in, in typical fa fashion. We're going to get our praise on and proclaim 
faith for the season to come. And here's what I want you to hear with your prophetic ears. I believe that we have come out of Egypt, we've been walking through the wilderness, and we're standing at the Jordan about to cross over into our promised land. And I'm not just talking about us as a church, although there's as, as, as a whole church, we are stepping into a brand new season this fall that is going to be super exciting. But I believe that we are stepping into a new season prophetically for you, for your family, for your jobs, for your businesses, for your children. I believe that we are stepping into a brand new season that's going to be unlike any season you've ever been for. And I'm prophetically saying that it's gonna, you're going to boldly go where you haven't gone before. Prophetically saying it's going to be a good season uh, as, and you're going to push through. And the songs that we're about to sing are those push. They're going to give you that push into the next season that we can boldly step where God is calling us, that your entire life, I believe this, your entire life has been a culmination to get to this point. Anybody witness with that? If not, I'm going to preach you happy today, and then we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna break through at the end, okay? We've we, we got, we got to push through. If you're not feeling it, Listen, the Bible says that, you know, do warfare with the prophecies given you. If you're not feeling like, well, this is my next, I, I don't know, and I'm uncertain, you're feeling that uncertain, you don't feel that next season breakthrough. Do this. Do warfare with the prophecy. I'm prophesying it over your life, over your family's life, over your business. I'm prophesying it over you. Do warfare with that and saying, okay, I receive that. And, and devil, it doesn't matter what I feel. doesn't matter what doubt or fear or discouragement you're throwing at me. I'm going to prophetically and boldly step into the season God has called me for. All right. Do, do that. All right, are we ready? We always start each one of these messages in this series with a question. Today's question, again, I don't want you to just off the, off the cuff, you know, answer this question. I want you to think about this. But here's the question today is, are you afraid of God? Okay, or I could word it this way. Are you afraid of messing up and what God will do it? do to you if when you mess up or if you mess up or what he will withhold from you when you mess up anybody want to boldly say that? like we can easily just say no i'm good and that's all good but listen i believe that your level of fear determines and your level of afraidness of God determines your relationship with God and whether you're in religion or whether you're in relationship with him. And here's why. Because Moses feared God and went up the mountain to meet with him. The Israelites were afraid of God and ran from the mountain. And your fear level and your afraid level of God. And, I, and before, I'm not, I'm not talking down to you because I got to admit, I grew up in, in steep religion. I grew up, you know, attending a Christian school and being in church and all the rest of it. And the verse that was said to me over and over again is, Kelly, and I think they, they knew my mischievous side. I think this is, this is what it was, they, they, they knew this. Kelly, be sure your sins will find you out. Anybody hear that quoted to you all the time as a kid? Your sins will find you out. Your sins will find you out. And so I walked around terrified thinking that if I miss, messed up, lightning was going to strike or that God was going to, you know, God was going to withhold something from me or that something was going to, you know, something that I couldn't pray boldly because God, I don't deserve it. And I, and I used to confess my sins like multiple times a day being afraid that if, if the rapture came and I had unconfessed sins, he was going to leave me behind to go through the tribulation. All these things that all this stuff, all this fear-based religion garbage. 
So I still battle on a regular basis of being afraid of God. And listen, if you are afraid of your spouse, there's no intimacy there. If you're afraid of your kids, there's no intimacy. If your kids are afraid of you, there's no intimacy there. Are we following? And, and so how do we break through? If we're afraid of God, how do we break through? Well, one of the key words and the name of the song that, that we wrote, and as the, as the song came out, I found myself wrestling with that fear again. And, and I'll tell you why, because the name of the song is Glory. And, I, and, and a number of years ago, um, there seemed to be all these, these, you know, in the river movement times, there seemed to be all these worship songs coming out that were crying out for the glory of the Lord to fall. And I remember those songs being written and, and, and singing them in, in crowds like this. And I, you know, I'd sing them. And I had a hard time singing those words. And the reason I had a hard time singing those words is because any time I read in the Old Testament where the glory of God showed up, somebody died. <laughs> like, the glory of the Lord showed up with David and somebody died. It showed up with Solomon, somebody died. It showed up with Moses, somebody died. Like, every time the glory of the Lord came, somebody died. And there were strict instructions of how to, you know, how, to, you know, the, the, the priest, it only was the high priest. And he had to confess all of his sins. And he had to have had a rope tied to his ankle with bells on it when he walked into the presence of God. And if the bell stopped ringing, they'd pull a body out. And I'm thinking, you're asking for God's presence to fully come? Come on, people. You have no idea what you're asking for. And so when I heard the word glory, I was like, man, I, I, I found myself hesitating a little bit about, you know, fully inviting God's presence here going, are we, I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know if I'm good enough for God's presence to show up. I, I don't know. And if we're afraid of him, we run from him instead of running to him. So I want to I take us on a little journey. We're going to do a Bible study today, and I, I want you to... I want you to, to track with me because we're going to bounce from New Testament to Old Testament. We're going to go through a number of scriptures and we're going to do this quickly. And I need you to track with me and, and follow along. And hopefully I can do my best to, to make this make sense. But here's, here's what, I, what, I, what I learned. In the book of John, in, in the Gospel of John, it's the fourth book in the, in the New Testament. It's written by the disciple of Jesus, John, who was called you know, the one that Jesus loved. Funny John wrote that, actually. But anyway... Um, but the one that Jesus loved, he was, he was Jesus' best friend, and he wrote this gospel. He wrote this gospel that re recounting Jesus' life and all what Jesus did years after experiencing it, right? So he, years after. And the reason why he wrote the book of John, he actually wrote it to the Jewish people, that, you know, Jewish believers, because what was happening was these Jewish believers still had so much uh, residue from their, their past Judaism, religion, and religious selves that they had so much that they were bringing in weird, crazy doctrines into the Christian faith. And the book of John is actually written to correct a lot of these doctrines and saying, no, no, this is what we believe as Christians. This is who Jesus really is, not the residue of this religion that we went away from and that we're, we're gone. And so a lot of what John wrote is, is actually written to say, you know, Jesus is God. And this is what we really believe. And so it's, if you read the gospel, 
gospel of John, it makes a whole lot more sense when you read that he's kind of just giving, laying out the basics and saying, this is what Christianity is now. This is what it's all about. And he's correcting us from our religiousness. Because I know, you know, there's some of you in here that have no religious background. You are blessed. Just saying. If you're coming here and thinking that we're looking down at you because you have no understanding of this, listen, no, we're looking, we're, I respect you. I, we're blessed. But there's many of us in here that have come from some religious backgrounds that we need to shake off some of that. And we've brought that religious residue into our faith with God, and then therefore we're afraid of God instead of anybody with me on that one. We got some of that we got to shake off every once in a while. So this is going to do that. In John 1, John starts off and says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And, the, and, and he's saying, in the beginning was the Word, Jesus. And he's saying, Jesus is God. And then he gets to verse 14, he says this, and the Word, talking about Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So what he's saying is, is God, in a bod, represented by Jesus, hung out with us. Like, and I think John's writing this and going, my best friend was, I was hanging out with, he's like, with God. Like, wow. But he's making it clear. But listen, we read this in English, and we don't get the full weight of understanding of this. Because here's what John really said. John said, God became flesh, Jesus, and tented among us. That's what it says in the original Greek. It lit, dwelling among us literally translated means he tented among us. Now, like Jesus likes camping? Like what does that have to do with anything? No, the Jews, when they read this, they would have heard this language and they went, whoa. They would immediately have reference back to, to this in Exodus chapter 33, which all of them, all the Jewish kids would have grown up understanding and read, understanding the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible. They had to have it memorized by the time they're 12, the first five books of the Bible. That was expected of every Jewish child. By the time they're 12, memorize the first five books of the Bible. Wow. So they were very familiar with this. Okay, and, and watch. This is, this, is what, this is what they understood. When he said, God tented among us, this is what they would have referenced in in. Exodus 33, verse 7 says, Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. And anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside of the camp. So this is when the Israelites had escaped from Egypt. They're in the wilderness, and, and they were constantly on the move. And when they would move, they would reset up camp. Three million, that's a big camp. And, and Moses would set up this tent outside of the camp and just, and just pitch it there. And then every once in a while, a cloud being God, it would come and in a physical form in a cloud and descend on the tent. And then Moses would go to that tent and meet with God. And this is, it says, anyone inquiring of the Lord. This is how they prayed in the wilderness. So if you had a, a, you know, a family member who needed healing or you had, you had a prayer request that needed an answer, you would submit your request to Moses and then wait until the cloud would descend and Moses would take your petitions and bring it before God in the tent and that would be how they prayed. They'd have to wait and they didn't know when God would show up and when he wouldn't. Look at the next verse says this. And whenever Moses 
went out to the tent. All the people rose and stood at the entrance to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. And as Moses went into the tent, the, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Think about this. No wonder they stood. I mean, it had been a spectacle to see like God's presence descending. Like physically descending, like wow. And then they'd stand at the entrance just in awe, but also because their prayer requests were like, is God going to answer? Is, is grandma going to get better? Is, you know, is what's going to happen? Like, are we going to get what we need? Like, it, what is it? You know, and they'd stand there and wait as Moses would, would speak with God. And look at it says in the next verse, Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance of his tent. Yeah, because God's physical presence, God was there. I think if God showed up in that way, you'd worship too. Hopefully. Right? We could worship too. But look at this. And then the verse 11 says this. And... The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young age, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. God would speak to Moses like a friend. God has always wanted relationship. That's, like this, is, this, is old, this is the second book in the Bible. He, he created man in his own image. He walked in the garden with Adam. He always, oh, he created us to have relationship with him. And this is the way that God would create. He set up the system that he could create. And he would speak to Moses as, as with a friend. No wonder Moses is revered. I mean, he would speak to, God would speak to Moses like a friend. Like, Wow. Now, later on in, in the book of Exodus, in chapter 40, it, it further explains what would happen at this, this tent. And it says this, Then the cloud would cover the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord would fill the tabernacle, and Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So in, in, in the Bible, whenever you see a repeated sentence, like the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle, you see it repeated twice. That's ancient writing. In ancient writings, they would repeat things to, for emphasis. That's, that's basically exclamation mark. This is really important. So, so look at this. Chapter 33, God would speak to Moses as he was speaking to a friend. But when his glory, which means his full manifest presence, would descend on the tent, not even Moses could enter, or else Moses would die. Which, when I read this, I'm like, yeah, we got to be careful. We're asking for the glory of the Lord, because not even Moses, who, who God considered, would have a conversation with a friend, could enter the tent. And this is important. This is important because of what John is about to say. Because remember, John says, the word became flesh and tented or dwelt among us, John 1, 14. Okay, so when John's using this verbiage about Jesus, it has powerful meaning in a different way that, you know, to, to the Jewish people, that God dwelt among us and they, he's got their attention. And maybe, maybe they'd reference what the prophet Zechariah has said in, in Zechariah 2. He prophesied this hundreds of years before Jesus ever came. And he said this, God, you know, speaking on behalf of God, says, Shout and be glad, daughter of Zion, for I am coming. This is God speaking, and I will live among you, declares the Lord. You're right, prophesying about Jesus. Many nations will be joined with the Lord in that day and will become my people, and I will live among you, and you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. 
Now, we can read this, and this makes sense to us, post-Jesus coming. But imagine reading that last sentence, I will live among you, and you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you before Jesus came, because you'd say, you know, Zechariah, either you misheard or God doesn't know grammar. Because he goes from first person to third person to first person. You see that in that sentence? And it doesn't make sense. Imagine Zechariah writing this down. This is what God spoke to him. Imagine Zechariah writing this down and going, no, God, you, I, I didn't hear right. You know, you know, I will live among, you know, you and you will know that I have come. Like, like the God. It doesn't make sense until Jesus comes. And notice it says in this, in this verse of many nations. It, I mean, the, a Jewish prophet prophesied that, that our God and, and Jesus is not just for the Jewish people, not just for our nation. He's for the entire world, which I'm thankful for. Right? Now watch. So John says, the Lord became flesh and tented among us. And then he says, we have seen his glory. Now wait. Wait, John. Not even Moses. This is what the Jewish mind is thinking. Not even Moses could enter the tent when God's full manifest presence would show up. What are you saying? So God can dwell among us like, like in Moses' time, but we, us, we're not Moses. We're just commoners. Like, what, what are we? We're nobody. What do you mean we have seen his glory? This, this word, we, we read it in English, that's like, it doesn't mean much, but to the Jewish people, this was like, we have seen the, the fullness of God? John, what you, there's, there's no way we could have done that because if we did, we would be dead. But he goes on and he says, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I want you to remember that, full of grace and truth. Now the word glory that John used here it was a Greek word, doxa, which means, you know, heaviness or importance or radiance or honor or, or weightiness. So it means that we have seen, and he, he emphasizes the fullness, we have seen the full weight of God. We haven't seen part of God. We have seen the full weight of God. We have seen all of God. Okay, somehow John is saying that mere humans have seen the fullness of God and lived. And the Jews would have went, like, you couldn't be meaning that. So John just doubles down. And he says this in the next verse. Out of his fullness, we have all. Now he's writing, he's not just saying us special chosen disciples who got lucky enough and, and I don't know. He's saying all, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. What's he mean? Look, he's, look at this. He tells us next line for the law given through Moses. He says there was a grace. And, and in the Old Testament, you can see the grace of God because God wants to be with his people. So he created this law or this way that he could dwell and he created and told Moses to build this tent and he wanted to send and talk. He talked with Moses and this was his connection to, to people. And that was a level of grace. But then John says, we saw the fullness of God 
in and, and, a, and received a grace that replaces that kind of grace. And the grace we received, oh, he says, we don't get part of it. We don't get to have one of us enter in. All of us get the fullness. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth, he doubles down on that again, which means it's important, came through Jesus Christ. And then he continues. He says this, no one has ever seen God. And the Jews are like, I know. That's what we're trying to tell you, John. We couldn't have seen the fullness of God because no one has ever seen that. Then John says, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with God, the Father, has made him known. So John's making it clear that Jesus was God and was the fullness of God's glory revealed. Why is that important? To understand, I, I, I want you to just bear with me a second. John referenced a grace that replaced the law. So I went back and looked at when the law was given in Exodus chapter 34, the Ten Commandments, the law was given. And there's something that jumped out at me I'd never seen before. Look at this. In verse 5, it says this. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones and went up Mount Sinai early in the morning and the Lord had commanded him and he carried the two stone, stone, stone tablets, easy for me to say, in his hands. Then the Lord came down in a cloud, sound familiar, and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And here's what jumped out at me. I never, I never knew this before. But in, in studying this, look at this. Abounding in love and faithfulness. This, Exodus, was written in Hebrew. And the word, the translation for love and faithfulness funny enough, is the exact translation for the Greek word of grace and truth. It's the same words. So when John wrote in Greek, because that was the language of, of his day, and, and when he wrote, God, Jesus is full of grace and truth, it's the same words that when the law was given, God says, I abound in love and faithfulness, which is amazing. Okay, because God's glory, this is just doubling down and saying, you, you got to see this. God's glory is manifest, this is what John's saying, through Jesus in love and faithfulness, grace and truth. And again, John is tying Jesus right back to God's original desire to dwell among his people. And here's what John is saying. John is saying that with Jesus, everything changed. And here's what John's saying as well. Through Jesus, God redefined glory. So while we can be afraid of, of God, listen, redefine glory, is we, have, we can be afraid of God's fullness. And while God's fullness and his, his, his full presence it wouldn't be possible for sinful nature to even dwell anywhere in there and live. Jesus redefined all of that. Which means that in, in the Old Testament, God's glory was all power and all to be feared. Yet Jesus manifested grace, unmerited favor, 
to God. In the Old Testament, the law was restrictive. And, and the Apostle Paul, who got freed of that law, said, I was a slave to that law. It created slaves. And yet Jesus said his truth would set people free. And then let's bring it home. The writer of Hebrews says this. And this is how it all ties together. The writer of Hebrews, again, writing to the Jewish people who are trying to shake this religion off of them, said this. God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Jesus said the same thing in Matthew 28 to his disciples. He says, lo, I will be with you even to the end of the age, which includes us. And then Jesus did something remarkable. He says, when I leave, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's going to come. This is what he says. God doesn't dwell among us in a tent outside of this camp anymore. God dwells in us. And the name of Jesus was Emmanuel. God with us. And then Jesus gave the Holy Spirit saying, God in us. Okay, so how does this apply? You're all looking at me like, okay, I, we all know all this. What, what's, what's the result of all that? What, what do you mean? What is all this about? Glory and all, this is great. What, what's all this have to do with me? The result, the writer of Hebrews says this. This is the result of, of God in us, God with us, God never leaving us, never forsaking us. This is the result. So then, this is what he says. We say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? So not only do I get a full revelation of Jesus and I don't have to be afraid of God anymore, but with a full revelation of God with me, I don't have to be afraid of anything anymore. Oh, you still haven't gotten this. Come on. Look at this. This is why glory. This is why, this is why we need to, to ask for, say, God, okay, this is why. Because if you're like me, I don't know, this last year and a half, has it tested your fear level a little? If not, like you're probably not watching the news because the news is testing our fear level. Like, oh. like this whole society is, is, is trying. It's just, we're, just, we're just inundated day and day and day and day and day with fear. But look it. The disciples got such a revelation of this. John got such a revelation of this. Peter got such a revelation of this that they were reminded that, hey, wait. When we went through a storm in a boat, we had Jesus in. When we had Jesus in the boat, he got up and he just said, peace be still. And, the, and he calmed the storm just like that. That nothing's impossible with him. And, and when, you get a revelation of, when you get a revelation of God in me and God with me, I have nothing to fear. And that my fear level, listen, 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 listen. My fear level... determines my faith level. Because if I'm still, if I allow my fear level to overwhelm, then I'm not, I'm not, I don't have a full understanding of who my God is and who's with me. Because if I fully understood 
that his glory goes before me and that his presence is in me and that he wants relationship that's cool that he could talk to Moses like a friend but Moses didn't have Moses couldn't even enter the glory of God that I can go another level than even Moses could that I have God within me because I have the Holy Spirit in me that he doesn't he doesn't want to just talk to me as a friend when he decides full well to show up he I can talk with him anytime that's why the writer of Hebrews says I with full confidence with full confidence God's my helper I don't have to be afraid Here's today's takeaway. I have nothing to fear because God is with me. I have nothing to fear. Just, just imagine with me for a moment. Just imagine living life without fear. This is the freedom that Jesus promised. And not only did he promise it, his disciples modeled it because once Peter understood he's with me he was no longer a coward he never denied again once Thomas understood he's with me he was no longer a doubter so understanding God was with them always transformed them and I'm here to say it can transform you too. Amen? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for being with us. Thank you for being in us. And God, I pray that you'd help us, Holy Spirit, help us to see this revelation that we can have full confidence. We can have full boldness that you are with us and in us. That you want relationship with us and we can access you anytime. God, we're leaning in. And for our season ahead, as we look ahead, we can, we can march ahead with full confidence because you are with us. You are with us. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today and you don't yet have a relationship with Jesus, listen, it's not about a religion. Jesus didn't come to start a religion. Actually, the opposite. He came to abolish religion and to create relationship. He wants personal relationship with you. And all you need to do to begin that relationship is to confess with your mouth that Jesus is God. And we're going to do that right now. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And if you pray this prayer and you mean it right here, right now, you can begin relationship with, with him. If you believe that Jesus rose again from the dead and is God, you can begin relationship with him. It's not joining our church, not at all. It's not joining religion, no. It's, it's a personal thing between you and him. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer and I'm going to invite you to pray this with me. And if you're watching online, pray it with me wherever you are. Let's pray this together. Everyone repeat this after me. Dear Jesus, I confess that you are God and I believe that you rose again from the dead. And I ask you right now to become my God, my Lord and Savior, my friend. Thank you for forgiving me of all my wrongs and for accepting me just as I am.
I give my heart to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask everyone in the room to close their eyes and, and bow your heads. If you prayed this prayer for the first time, would you just boldly raise up your hand and give me a wave and saying, yeah, Pastor, I prayed this prayer the first time. I want to begin a relationship with Jesus today. Just give me a quick wave. Look around one more time. Make sure I didn't miss anyone. Awesome. Awesome. If you pray this prayer online for the first time, just click like on the comment section below that says, I have decided, and, and we would love to reach out to you and give you a Bible where you are. Thank you for joining us today on our My Victory podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, check us out at myvictory.ca. If you'd like to watch our live stream, go to victorylethbridge.tv. 